Welcome into Hoopsville and broadcasting live to you on this Sunday evening. It is the 12th of December. Uh, We're halfway through the month of December, closing in on the holiday if you celebrate Christmas. Of course, Hanukkah has already come and gone. Uh, Got New Year's around the corner, too. We're halfway to New Year's. So... It is flying along. If you've got questions for us at any time during the show, you can tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. And, of course, you can join us. Um, uh, how else can you join us? Um, well, Instagram, we're there, at D3Hoopsville, though we don't check it during the show. Oh, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're simulcasting the show there. Hello, all you viewers who are tuned in there. Thanks for taking the time. Of course, I want to thank all those who are tuned into the podcast. Many of you choose that option, having either missed the show live or going back to listen to parts of it. Appreciate you taking the time to do that. Um, Not a ton of scores today, but we'll definitely double-check anything that may or may not have happened today. Um, Case in point, I know uh, Baldwin Wallace and uh, Marietta were playing tonight, and Marietta got the win. 83-71. 83-71. Uh, that's 10th ranked Marietta. We'll see where they're ranked tomorrow as the new top 25 polls will come out. We will not hear from Bob and Ryan tonight. We'll get into the mainstay of them being on a Sunday evening. At least that's the plan uh, come January. But we just had them on Monday's show, so no point in having them on tonight's show. It'd just be kind of repetitive with the same top 25. We'll get them back on next Sunday. The 19th, we'll get them on talking about uh, what they're thinking of in terms of uh, the latest. So reacting to Monday's poll next Sunday ahead of what will likely be the last poll before the holiday break. So we'll get those guys back. uh, And we are seriously working on a women's version. Um, It's, I mean, we want to get Gordon Mann. He's certainly one of those. We're working to get another because we like to do... Have a conversation on the women's side of things as well. Again, interact with us, Twitter, email, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Lots of ways you can interact with us. We hope you take the time. Let's talk about our guests tonight, shall we? Uh, we will. Uh, these are in order of appearance, barring any changes. We will hear from, it, really, it's talk about teams are off to strong starts, and so it's kind of the theme, as it were. So our guest tonight will include... Um, Heidelberg men's basketball, this is in order. York women's basketball, York of Pennsylvania, that is. Then Trine women's basketball, and then we'll wrap things up with RPI men's basketball. So that's kind of the synopsis for you, as it were, of who we got and when we got them. Heidelberg, again, continues to make waves in the Great Lakes. Tremendous start. York women's basketball playing their first season in the MAC Commonwealth, even though last year was supposed to be that season. We'll talk to Betsy Whitman about their undefeated start and 2-0 start, including a win over 18th-ranked Messiah to start the season. Uh, we will then talk uh, trying women's basketball. Guess what? Next Saturday, got a game against Hope the number one ranked team in the country. We'll talk to Andy Rang uh, about getting ready for that game. And then RPI, best start since the 1945-45 season. 44-45 season. Best start since that point. We will talk to the engineers and Mark Gilbride about their race out the door. So we got a couple Andys on the show. Um, a Mark and a Betsy. That, that's how we're doing things. And by the way, quick shout out on the football side to North Central and Mary Harden Baylor. It'll be a rematch of the previous Stag Bowl two years ago. 
Uh, this game would be played in Canton, where we've been eagerly waiting to get to. Um, we will get to Canton. We, I say D3 football land and NCAA land. Um, but congratulations. North, Car- uh, North Central, well, both teams went on the road to win. North Central winning at Mount Union and Marathon and Baylor winning at Whitewater. So congratulations to those programs. Uh, watched uh, Wheaton, Illinois Wesleyan last night. A, a battle of 3v8. At number eight, Wheaton. A um, couple of thoughts. First, pretty evenly matched teams. I was pretty impressed with what I saw. Uh, well, I don't want to say pretty impressed. It's it's about what I expected. Um, I don't remember now where I have everybody ranked. I guess I could pull out my top 25, which is sitting under a pile of papers here. I have Illinois Wesleyan uh, three, and I have Wheaton's eight. Interesting enough, I have them in the exact same spots they are in the top 25 poll. So, Wheaton at home, if you go by the the conversation we had last Monday, uh, if Wheaton had lost that and it was close, that would be expected, but they should win at home. So the question becomes, do you put them ahead of Illinois Wesleyan? I don't know. They do have a buzzer beater loss to Elmers, who lost again. Speaking of which, we'll go through those results here in a moment. Um... But it was a good game. Uh, The one thing that I wanted to get to, sorry, bear with me, because I was trying to call something up about Wheaton. Um, Mike Shower's team, obviously pretty solid. They played pretty well. Neither team was exceptional, I don't think. And and still good. Do not get me wrong. (laughs) Um, But it's early in the season, so you're still kind of seeing some gremlins, as it were. The thing that was impressive to me was both teams couldn't get a lead, um, especially late in the second half. A team would get on a little bit of a mini run, maybe get up by three. The other team would come back. And there was just no way of keeping things. Um, what's the word I want to? They just couldn't. They couldn't keep the momentum, as it were. So I was pretty impressed with how that played out. Uh, a good atmosphere, obviously. Though, that said, two things bugged me. And, and sorry, Wheaton fans, I'm, I'm going to go after you a bit here. Uh, and really, it's the student fans. Um, first off, cheering overrated in the closing seconds of the game about Illinois Wesleyan just makes you look like fools. I've always had the adage, if you're cheering on a team and claiming that the opponent who might be ranked higher than you is overrated and you beat them, what does that say about you? If a team is overrated, then you aren't that good either because you beat the overrated team. Or maybe they're pretty darn good and you're better than um, their, than your ranking or whatever. The, the, Illinois Wesleyan's not overrated. And, and hats off to Mike Schauer, who pointed that out in the postgame. They did a post-game interview. He said, I heard the crowd cheering overrated. This is not an overrated team. And he's right. So stop the overrated cheers. They're stupid. And listen, I felt that way when I was in college, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. I wasn't a huge fan of them then. The other thing that kind of bugged me a wee bit um, was the fans running on the court like they had won the national title or were some one-win team that had upset an undefeated number one ranked team. Listen, big win. Don't get me wrong. Great win over Illinois Wesleyan, but it didn't need a, a a mob in the middle of the court. Not to mention the fact in these COVID times, those things make me nervous to begin with because 
listen, it's not perfect. I get that. But who knows who, who might be COVID positive. And now everybody's mingling amounts, everybody, including the teams. And who knows how that, that, how that will end up. And so just makes me nervous. So just a couple things that bugged me, as it were. And I wanted to just kind of mention that. Um, but again, both teams played really well. Really was impressed. Um, I, I liked what I saw from from both teams. They deserve their rankings, as we have said from the get-go. Um, there's no surprise there in my book. And uh, it was a great atmosphere. Great uh, you know, Broadcasters don't have to call fouls bogus, but that's just, just me. Uh, most of the fouls they didn't like uh, were fouls, by the way. Just, just for the record, they, they, they were fouls. Um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm kind of jumping off track there. Luke Anthony was in the game for Wheaton, having just played football. Uh, didn't get much of a break before getting thrown into the basketball action and played pretty well along with the rest of his teammates. That's certainly an extra um, factor there for Wheaton. And so we'll see how that all plays out. Quickly, um, again, on the men's basketball side, in terms of how teams did this week, we mentioned, uh, well, we hadn't had a chance to do it. Illinois Wesleyan, that was their only game. They lose it by five. Really, it was closer than that. Elmer's lost to North Park after beating Milliken. So Elmer's is going to lose a bunch of votes, and a bunch of them are coming off from me. Um, Mary Harden Baylor lost to Harden Simmons just after we discussed them on Monday. They uh, lost 80 to 77 to the unranked but receiving votes Harden Simmons squad. That is their first loss of the season. They had beaten McMurray earlier in the week, 86 67. Trine has lost two now in this week. They are now lost three. Heidelberg and Lacrosse beat them. The Lacrosse game was a seven point score, and Heidelberg beat them by five. Uh, and we mentioned Emory on Thursday had lost. Lynchburg lost today to Christopher Newport, 79-74. I think that tells you a lot about Lynchburg, who are 6-2. They're actually a pretty good team. I don't think they deserve to lose any rankings necessarily there or points. Widener continues to, sp- to spiral. I'm not sure who's voting for Widener, but they're 4-4. Four and four. Lost by 7 to Eastern. Um, I'm, to be honest with you, don't deserve any votes. Cal Lutheran lost to San Diego. Of course, that's a D1 school, 84-55. That's their second loss. Cal Lutheran's lost. Their two losses, I believe, were both out of Division Three, and both in the last two games. Eastern Connecticut uh, defeated Mass Dartmouth. We mentioned that on Thursday. Colby lost to Brandeis in a one-point game. Brandeis playing pretty darn well. Um, they are now 7-2 and two on the season. Hanover lost to Defiance. Uh, we mentioned the Nichols loss earlier in the week. On the women's side, or on Thursday's show, I should say, on the women's side, hang on, scrolling. There we go. Uh, we mentioned Eau Claire losing to Bethany Lutheran. They got back on the win column with a 66-49 win over Loris. By the way, yesterday, Simpson absolutely all whooped up on Wartburg, gave Wartburg its first loss of the season, 90-74. to Really impressed with Simpson there, Brian Nymath. Uh, with a good squad there, Wartburg takes its first loss and unceremoniously by 16. Harden-Simmons lost to Mary Harden-Baylor. This time in women's basketball, Mary Harden-Baylor not ranked or receiving votes. Harden-Simmons lost 64-52. And from what Gordon Mann said, Mary Harden-Baylor controlled the fourth quarter and was all over Harden-Simmons in that one. Wheaton uh, lost to Illinois Wesleyan, so they reversed it. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan got the women's win, 81-62. That's a 19-point win by the Titans. And then on the men's side, Wheaton defeated Illinois Wesleyan. 
We mentioned Messiah lost to York earlier in the week. Well, they beat Lebeval 60-32. to A little bit of a surprising result in my book. Uh, Messiah is a good team. I uh, just didn't think they were 28 points better than Lev Val going in. And uh, Stevens defeated Scranton, 19th-ranked Scranton, 63-53. Just kind of in that category of teams you're used to doing well or not off to great starts. St. Benedict lost its first two weeks of the season. They lo- uh, First two games of the season, they lost to Hamlin. 68-44, and McAllister, 62-57. That Hamlin score stands out, obviously, 68-44. And Gustavus Adolphus defeated Augsburg earlier in the week, 55-46, but got back in the win column with a win over St. Catherine, 65-55. So that's kind of your, your top 25s so far. Uh, we're going to see some movement. Eau Claire losing to Bethany Lutheran and winning against Loris. They may not drop as far, but they're going to drop a few spots. Warburg's obviously going to take a tumble, having lost to Simpson by as much as they did. Uh, Harden-Simmons will probably tumble a little bit. Wheaton, we'll see. It might just be more respect for Illinois Wesleyan. Messiah's going to, going to fall a bit. Scranton will fall a bit. On the men's side of things, um, Illinois Wesleyan won't fall too far. Uh, they'll probably fall behind Platteville, maybe St. Joseph's. Maybe Oshkosh. We'll see. Platteville, by the way, now 11-0. You play 25 games in a season, and they've already played 11 of them. So they only have 14 left in their season. We'll have to double-check how long of a break they're going to get because I know they've got a good long break. Um, And they're getting one first-place vote in the latest top 25. They get a break until the 29th, so they'll go 18 days off. They'll play two games at St. Norbert. Then they'll take a week off and then get into conference play. Um, But the games there, I mean, it's just they're going to have literally done half their season before the for right before the New Year's. And usually teams get about halfway done in like second week of January. So they're a little bit ahead of the curve there in that one. Um what was it? Uh, let's see. Uh, Elmer's lost to North Park again. They're going to lose a ton of points. Mayor Hart and Baylor lost, I think. It'll be interesting how many hold on to them tight. I think they're going to take a tumble. Trying losing two, probably out of the top 25, possibly, or, or clinging to the very bottom. And Emery's probably going to come out of it as well. So we'll see how it all breaks down. As I said, uh, I'll be fascinated to see how it plays out. Uh, we vote tomorrow, and you'll get your uh, results usually by the by the uh, early evening is how that usually plays out. I see my aunt has tuned in. She says, glad to see you back on the air. Yep. Well, thank you. I got a, got a haircut today, too. Yeah. Always takes a few pounds off when we do that. All right, going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get our interview started. We'll start with Heidelberg and the Student Princess's great start to the season. You're listening to Hoop Soap presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. We want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. When we come back, we talk Student Princess men's basketball. More Hoops after this. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. 
Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. What makes D3 special is the ability to participate in my team and within the broader community. The perfect ending to a perfect season. Being a D3 student athlete has completely expanded my life. I learned how to lead. I really found a voice. What time is it? It's more about the experience rather than just a sport itself. Without the experience of being a Division III student athlete, I wouldn't be the person who I am today. NCAA Division III. Discover. Develop. Dedicate. allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Sunday evening as we're rolling along, kind of getting into the flow of the season. Of course, getting into the flow for two more shows after this, and then we'll take a holiday break and we'll try and get back into the flow in January. Again, we'll be on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. And then next Sunday, the 19th and 7 o'clock Eastern time. And unlike the coaches I booked today, I'm already getting the coaches booked for the next two shows. It's weird. It's feast or famine with me. I'm either very late or way ahead of things. I can't seem to find a nice neutral ground in the middle. Uh, if you got ideas for guest segments or something that you think might be worth my while, send it my way. Send it to uh, email address is the easiest, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Got an email earlier today about the DeSales situation. Uh, 1,100 wins between the two coaches, men's and women's. Certainly a, a nice idea uh, or a nice uh, accomplishment for both coaches up there. So send them our way and we might do something with it. You can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. We're on Instagram. You can always try and get a hold of us there that we usually mainly for promotional purposes at D3Hoopsville as well. And of course, Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live streaming and simulcasting the show tonight, along with our normal place on Blue Frame Technology uh, as well. All right, so one of the teams that certainly has been garnering some attention in men's basketball, and there are a number of them, but we talked about them on Monday with Ryan and uh, Bob as well, is the Heidelberg men's basketball team. Off to a tremendous start at 8-1, and one, if memory serves, because I just don't have it in front of me. Uh, big wins over Mount Union, of course, and also Baldwin-Wallace. Not too shabby, if I do say so myself. Um but what's making the student princes kind of click, as it were, out of Tiffin, Ohio? Because to be honest with you, you look back last year, 9-3, and three, pretty good in the OAC, but the previous season, 12-16, and 16, the previous six, season, 6-18, and 18, they actually haven't had a winning record outside of last co year's COVID season since the 2009-2010, oh, I'm sorry, 2015-16 season. That one snuck past me. 
So we thought better talk to their coach. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopso Hotline via Zoom, it is Andy Buhai. And uh, yeah, I don't have it spelled wrong. That is how you say his name. Coach, uh, thanks for taking the time to join us and correcting me off air. Appreciate it. How are you? Uh, good, Dave. Good. I, yeah, really was uh, excited to hear you wanted to talk to us today. And um, things are things are going well so far. Sure. By the way, anybody can see a little flickering in their, on my picture. It's not you. Apparently, my kids forget I'm on air and are pounding on the floor and the light's flickering. <laughs> There'll be a text here in a moment. Um, eight and one start. Uh, the season started with a win over Berea in Mount St. Joseph. You know, nice starts, but and, and big wins. Berea was by seven, but 82-68 over St. Joseph and 92-68 over Bluffton. All right. Got my attention with the win over Albion, though. Lost to Ohio Wesleyan. Okay, this is kind of starting to feel like the normal Great Lakes to me. You know, you're, you're going to get a good win here. You're going to take a tough loss there. We're going to battle things out. It's going to be uh, nose to the grindstone. Well, the last four caught my attention. Wins over Baldwin-Wallace, Mount Union, Trine, who caught out last year's attention. You beat them by five, and then a win over Wilmington in your last game out. What is what is allowing you guys to start so well this season and has got you at 8-1 and one at this point? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's probably been a couple years in the making. Um, you know, we just had a group come in and uh, buy into things we've been talking about. And, uh, you know, last year we started to see some of that on, on the court. Um, you know, we, we knew we had a group that was bought in. In previous years, we just weren't having the success that, that you see in terms of wins and losses. But we had seen some success in, in other areas that, you know, fans, media aren't aren't going to see, um, you know, in those first couple years. Uh, but, you know, last season, um, you know, was a great one for us. Uh, a, a good start to the year, one of the best in school history. We have a lot of those guys back, um, you know, and they just they just do a great job of moving forward. Um you know, Heidelberg basketball is not the the Duke or the Kentucky of Division Three, and and we own that, um, and we want to try to to change that. You know, that's always been our mission um, here, and you know, it's great to see the guys um, having some success and uh, continuing to buy into the things that we've talked about. And uh, you know, it's not just these guys that are here currently, but guys that have come before them uh, that, that kind of laid the groundwork. Yeah, last season, by the way, nice Kentucky Duke reference. Uh, just for the record, they're all D1s. I, I, I don't know. Uh, just kidding. Yeah, I mean, last year you oh, played – what would you say? According to my son, uh, he thinks we could beat Gonzaga right now. So uh. <laughs> I love kids. I yeah. love kids. Yeah. Um, hey, you never know. Uh, call Mark Few. You never know. Give him a, give him a right. ring. Or he was talking to the college, right? Not the high school out of D.C. I, see. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like that. <laughs> that might be a tough one, too. Um, <laughs> you played seven opponents last season. John Carroll, Capital, Ohio Northern, Mount Union, Baldwin Wallace. Actually, Ohio Northern twice. So, actually, it was six opponents. And then Wilmington right. um, in, in that COVID year. And, yeah, you took some losses. You got some big wins, too. But what was it about that season that kind of just uh, – because there were so many challenges. There were so many distractions. Uh, they were testing constantly. You had games that were canceled as a result of that, wh- whoever it was. What was it, though, that allowed things to kind of gel, though? Because yeah. it's not like you had normal practices either. 
Yeah, last year was tough in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, the guys we had just did a remarkable job of handling that. I mean, we, we, went, we left Thanksgiving week and had no clue when they were coming back, had no clue what our schedule looked like. <laughs> we were the first group that, that played in terms of the OAC. Nobody had competed in an OAC contest until men's basketball and women's basketball started yep. it off. So, uh, you know, those guys just, I think, I think a lot of it too was just the, the pure excitement to be able to do something else, right? Uh, you know, they had not done anything, right? When they first moved onto campus, it was the pure excitement to be out of mom and dad's house. And then we got them here and they weren't allowed to do anything. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they struggled with, with social activity. I mean, everything was limited. We had a little bit of practice going on, some weightlifting sessions, but it, it wasn't really what you would call a practice. You know, our first official practice probably didn't really start until till January that year. So I think, I think some of that was just them realizing um, how special it is to be a college basketball player. You know, having all that taken away from you due to the pandemic, um, you know, and you're not doing the things that you would normally be doing every day. That, that I think was part of it, to be honest, Dave, that helped grab their attention a little more. And then we, we had a fifth year senior who um, had been through a lot of the lumps that we've, we've taken at times. Um, and his leadership was invaluable. He, he, he did not want that to be the same way in his last year. Uh, and he did a tremendous job leading our team, um, you know, and the other guys did a great job following him. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're building off of a lot of that this year as well. Um, you know, that, that strong leadership that we've had uh, in the past season. Well, it's interesting, too, because you've got a whole host of guys who are scoring. Uh, this season, um, Isaiah Young last night goes off for 27, and he's not even your leading scorer on the team. Um, I should say last night, last game, just to clarifying, depending on when everybody's listening. But you're getting f- nearly 15 points out of Dylan Young or Dylan Woods. You got Isaiah Young at 12, 13 points, 12 points from Emmanuel Purdue, Eric Panning uh, at 9.7, and three more guys at nine points each as well as Zane Lightwine. Uh, Lightwine. 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 Seth yeah. Holmans and, and Martone Cole, though he's played four games, uh, and really almost eight points a game from Trey Watkins. So you're deep. That's what I'm coming across is you're, you're, you've you got a lot of depth. It's not just your starting five. You've got a bunch of guys on the bench who can contribute, and obviously you're going to have plug guys as well. So it seems like a lot of what you went through last year allowed you to develop that depth, including what is basically a six-member senior class. Yeah, we, we – um... We played, let's see, so we had seven guys returned from last year's team that played significant minutes. Uh, four of those guys were starters. Um, and then the three the three others were freshmen last year for us. Uh, so all those guys were back. And then we added Martone Cole back into the equation. He took last year off, um, you know, but he had been a member of our team, uh, you know, for two years prior to right. that. Um and then we added some talented guys into the mix as well who are getting into the rotation currently with, with Isaiah Young as a freshman and Trey Watkins as a transfer. Um, but, but the thing for us is 
you know, we've had a nine or 10 man rotation and we have not had all of those guys available to us for more than maybe two games. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had one or two of them injured uh, throughout that stretch, this, this stretch. And we've had some guys step up that um, did not play a lot last year uh, and have contributed in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so, you know, we've been really happy to see that. And we've been preaching that in the locker room, of course, you know, guys, we, we, we've been in the foul trouble, some games, we've had guys go down with injuries, uh, you know, be ready. Cause your number could get called. We, we believe in a lot of different guys in there. Um, you know, and so it's been, great to see some guys be really patient with with their um you know situation and be ready to put their best foot forward when they do get a chance yeah again you're off to a, a tremendous start at eight and one but you're also off to a two and zero start in the oac that's not too shabby with already those games against baldwin wallace and mount union uh that's helpful because you've got the edge already heading in to what would become eventually the second half of the season in the second half of the conference uh, tilt. You haven't played John Carroll yet. They obviously come with a different attitude or a different style. You've got Capitol still ahead, obviously. And you've got Marietta in two games. Is it better that maybe they're down the road a little bit and you could get these two? Um, or is it now the cat's out of the bag and you maybe it would have been better to surprise Marietta early? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I don't know that there's many surprises uh, sure. in the OAC, um, it, it, especially amongst the coaches, uh, you, you know, you, you do as good of a job as you can to communicate to 18 to 22 year olds, the, um, you know, that records don't matter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, we were all 18 to 22 yeah. at one time, right? <laughs> uh, listening to coach wasn't always exactly on the top of the priority list. No. No, but no, um, you know, we had a tough stretch. I mean, we had three games on the road, then we had Wilmington at home and we have two more on the road here. Um, you know, and to come out of those three games on the road with BW mountain trying three and oh, I would have said, I need to go play the lottery, uh, you know, cause I'm going to, I'm going to hit that big if we can do that. Um, you know, and so, uh, we, we we always say we'll play anybody anytime anywhere. I mean, whether it's Marietta first game of the year, uh, you know, whoever in the league, whenever. I mean, everybody's challenging. There's no nights off. Um, you know, we talk to our guys about, hey, yeah, we just had a great win at Trine, but you know what? Saturday at four o'clock, the game doesn't care. The game doesn't care that you just beat Trine on the road. Um, Wilmington's not going to care. You know, and so we got to get over ourselves as quickly as we possibly can uh, and move on, because if we don't, then, you know, we're not going to be where we want to be Saturday at 630. Uh, you know, and so our guys have done a pretty good job of that so far. We'll see if they can continue to do that. Um, who knows? They're 18 to 22. So right. you'll get a again, big win over trying on the road. They were the, dar- you know, the darling of the, the season last year pretty much across the board. Um, you'll then, uh, but then you got Muskingum coming up on the road, non uh, in conference game, one non-conference game on the 21st against Oberlin. 
and then you're back into conference play on the other side of New Year's. So there's no trip. You don't have any tourneys. You played your one um, back at the start of the season. It's kind of just pacing things out from here. How do you how do you kind of keep the guys focused when the games aren't necessarily kind of like conference play will be twice a week? Right, right. Yeah, we we um we feel like you know if we can get through um, Christmas. You know, we've got two challenging games coming up. Um, Muskegon is always a tough place to play. Uh, Coach Schwab does a tremendous job over there. Uh, Oberlin, um, I believe in 1920, we played them and, and they they beat us. They were, you know, had a great squad. Uh, they do a great job as well. You know, so we're hoping, uh, of course, to, you know, compete on those days and, and, and uh, do what we can do. Uh, but more so just get get to Christmas break and get some time to get some guys healthy. Um, you know, we've got a lot of time off at that point in time. Uh, it'd be a great time to, to, to kind of revisit some things that we feel like we can get better at uh, as we head into the home stretch with the OAC season. Um, I think to that point, we'll have only played four OAC games. So there's 14 left. You got uh, a lot of things to be st- – decided of course in those 14 games um we talk a lot about it's not a you know the oac season the the season is not a sprint it's an endurance race um whoever can come in level-headed every day and keep moving forward those teams are going to be the the ones that are where they want to be at the end so we, we try to just do a lot of talking about where we currently are and not what's ahead or what the next two weeks look like or where this game puts us. Uh, we, we've, we've never tried to approach it like that. Um, we just try to go one day at a time. What are we doing tomorrow? Uh, what are we doing in this next drill and practice? And, and I think uh, we hope our, our guys have really bought into that mentality. Um, They've done a great job of what we call lighting their fire every day, right? How do you get yourself juiced to compete in the middle of January? You know, when it's a Monday, uh, five weeks into the second semester, right? How are you going to get yourself going? So light your fire somehow uh, because the guys at Capitol are probably doing it. The guys at John Carroll are probably doing it. They're doing it across the OAC. So how can we do it better than them? You, we should point out, graduated from Wittenberg, 2005. A little bit of success there, just just a little. Uh, Wittenberg certainly synonymous with that success, especially in Ohio. What's it like? Not only is an Ohio native out of Cincinnati, but had played at Wittenberg. Obviously, you're not in that in that beast of a conference, but you're in the adjacent beast of a conference. What's it like to be leading Heidelberg at this point, and and the success you guys have found, at least in the current phase of the program. Yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, you know, the, the players have done a tremendous job um, buying into the things we've been preaching, especially the last couple of years. Um, you know, without, without them, none of this is, is happening. You know, we can't go out there and grab one rebound or score one point. Um, you know, to be honest, we're not really that important uh, as, as coaches, you know. <laughs> 
we're not. Don't tell um, your bosses that. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, getting those guys, you know, we, we can do as much as we, as we want, uh, but they got to show up and, and they got to do it. And so we talk a lot about that, but uh, it's been awesome to see them enjoy this early success. Um, that, that is what is uh, really fun for me. You know, I was a part of that at Wittenberg. Um, I know what that feels like. I know what it is like to compete in the national tournament. I know what it's like to win conference championships as a player. Uh, and I want them to experience those same things and get those same feelings and have those same shared memories um, as they go to graduate. And then 10 or 15 years from now, they have that common bond. Um, you know, pl- playing, a, playing a sport is a great bond in itself at the collegiate level. But then when you have that success tied to it, there's something special around that. Um, you know, and so uh, that that's the real prize for me is seeing those guys enjoy these moments right now. And hopefully we can continue down that path. I mean, there's a long road in front of us, uh, but if they continue to stay level-headed and stay in what we call neutral, uh, we should have a chance at least. Well, certainly an impressive start to, to the season. Um, and and obviously the momentum is is on your side, though the spotlight now is on you as well. So you know, both have their pros and cons, right? So we'll see how it plays out. I appreciate the time and the insight uh, on the squad because I'll admit we kind of sat there scratching my head, going, "Is this a student princess squad of old that you know is eleven and sixteen and fifteen on the year, or is this a new squad out of COVID that?" We don't know and appreciate, so I appreciate you giving us a little bit of insight. I mean, looks good from at least my vantage point. Uh, as always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, no, I just really appreciate the time here today, Dave. And um, if Mark Few's listening, uh, send, send us a jersey because my son is in love with Gonzaga. and uh, Apparently, we got a shot to beat you now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know. That's the that's the opinion of a nine year old from Tiffin, Ohio. So, <laughs> <laughs> Zags pr- student princess. I, I kind of like the idea. I mean, Berg. We, we just go with the nicknames. Berg versus Zags. It'd be a just yeah. cool name game. That's all. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to turn out. Make sure you get a good guarantee out of that one. All right. There's, there'd be something that would come out of it. You know? <laughs> there could be. Hey, good luck. Thanks for the time. Have a good rest of your uh, your night, and uh, good luck the rest of the of this part of the season, and then obviously into the in the tail end. Thanks for the time. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Dave. Best of luck. Uh, thank you. He is uh, Andy Buhai joining us here uh, from Heidelberg. Listen, last time they had twenty wins was two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, it was twenty three and six that season. Um, I'm not saying they're a 21 team, but they're now 12 wins away from that point with a lot more than 12 games left. Um, They're going to be one to watch. May not know the true entity of them until we get to January. John Carroll is the 5th of January. Marietta is the 15th at Marietta. They finish this season at home against Marietta on February 19th. Let's keep an eye on the student princes. I kind of like what I'm seeing so far. Take another break. We'll switch gears, talk women's basketball. We'll come back here and go about 30, 40 minutes north of me. Talk York women's basketball. Betsy Whitman joins us on the show. You're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks for taking the time. Back with more after this. My name 
is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs, no private jets, no fan clubs, no Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Got questions for us. You can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Interesting conversation about whether Yeshiva would have made the tournament last last tournament, 1920, had they lost in the Skyline Conference. It's a what if we can't even play out because we, they won. So it's it's a it's a hard conversation compared to Lancaster Bible in 2016 where we knew full well they take their first loss in conference tournament. They were out of the tournament. They had no NCAA hopes. We knew that for a fact because all the evidence was telling us that. Yeshiva was a little bit more of a question mark. But anyway, all of that chat going on. I want to thank our last guest, Heidelberg's coach, Andy Buhai. I just love how to say his name, so I'm saying it as often as I can. Student Princess is off to a great start. There's a great mascot as well. I'm going to switch gears, talk women's basketball now. And one of my favorite teams, because I see them often, uh, is the York women's basketball program. Betsy Whitman's been there for a long time and uh, unfortunately missed out on seeing them uh, play the school I call games for at McDaniel this year. But I'm, I keep saying they're 30, 40 minutes from me. I should have no excuse to go see York. And I don't get to the Spartans that often. i got to change that for sure. But they're off to a great start. And what's more interesting is they're in the Mac Commonwealth. Remember, York leaving the CAC was kind of that final thread that undid the CAC into what is now the C2C. It wasn't York that started it by any stretch of the imagination. 
but York kind of knew that they were the last one to finally make uh, that thing fall apart. But they didn't play in the Mac Commonwealth last season. They are now. And York went in and said, you know what? Yep, great. We're into the conference. And oh, hey, Messiah, here's a loss. Well, that gets you on Hoopsville. Betsy Whitman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline via Zoom. And Coach, first of all, a lovely setting. I love the Christmas look. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, is, is Coach Miller even talking to you at Messiah right now? Oh, of course. Uh, you know, I've known, I've known Mike for a long, oh, long yeah. time. We we actually went to the same high school. I don't know if you knew oh, that. Oh, I did not know that. He um, he played with my oldest brother uh, in high school. He played basketball. So, I, you know, he's a couple years older than me, but I've known him for a long, long time, as well as his assistant coach, Jody Noble, who I played against in high school. So Fascinating know the people at messiah pretty well yeah, small little but, world there yeah we, you know it's definitely a rivalry but um you know they beat us pretty bad two years ago we beat them <laughs> the year before that on their home court and did it again so, so what i'm yeah, hearing from you is turnabout's fair play that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, you guys didn't get a chance to play last year. You were 17 and 11 the year before. And before that, in 18, 19, you were an uncustomary 11 and 15. Really, there's only two, three seasons dating back to 2007 where you guys were below 500. You have always had a consistent program that's always competitive. If you're not at the top of what was the CAC, you were at least making life miserable in that conference. No one could get a, especially coming up to York. That was always going to be a tough game. Now you're in the Mac Commonwealth. There's a lot to talk about with your team, but I just want to talk quickly about the fact that you guys entered the Mac Commonwealth right before the pandemic broke in and then didn't get even a chance to play last season. So you kind of really slow walked your way into the Mac. What's it like to adjust to a different schedule, different opponents in the sense of playing them multiple times or playing them for the first time ever and in that entire world of now being in that Mac? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've been waiting for this for a really long time. I've always felt, well, I've always felt we belonged in the MAC. Um, you know, it just made sense. There's been a lot who thought that way. Well, you know, private schools, um, just geographically, you know, I always felt it made sense. Um, and I was so happy when, when, when that started to, when we started to talk about it, and you know, the fact that it was going to happen, um, and it finally did happen, was awesome. And the CAC was a great conference for many, many years. And this is my 26th year, I think, um, 25th season, since we didn't have a season last year. Yeah. But, um, you know, going from the CAC to the MAC, um, you know, in terms of travel, it's been great so far. You know, we have the 45-minute trips, you know, hour yeah. trips. We're going to be at Widener next wednesday and it'll be our longest trip wow um, at two hours where you know we used to play at salisbury and um mary washington you know three hour trips and christopher newport five and a half hour trip southern virginia four and a half hour trip um you know overnights uh this is i don't really know how to act it's it's great <laughs> but in terms of competitiveness you know it really hasn't changed a whole lot for us it's we're coming from playing Christopher Newport and Mary Washington yeah. and Salisbury, Southern Virginia, and really good programs. And now we're playing Messiah and Albright and Widener and Lebanon Valley. And it's honestly, it's it's very similar in my mind. It hasn't gotten any easier, that's for sure. Yeah. If anything, it, 
it, it might be a little deeper. Um, yeah, across the board. Yeah, yes. well, yeah, across the board in all sports, it's certainly deeper. But yeah, you you've got more competitive games than you probably had in the CAC, and that's not a knock on everybody in the CAC. You just you kind of had an upper level and a, and a bottom level. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, travels a little bit less, and and all that comes with that. But you're also probably having to get used to different programs that you didn't play a lot. I mean, you're in a, in a target-rich environment. There are schools everywhere around you. It's easy to get to them. But you didn't have enough non-conference games to go play everybody that you're now playing. Right. You know, we, we typically played Lebanon Valley, Stevenson, Messiah. Um, every once in a while, we'd match up with Albright in a tournament. But, sure. you know, other than that, I don't, I don't think we've played Widener since we were in the old gym, you know, wow. in the old Wolf gym. I mean, it's been a long time. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, and now Hood and Stevenson, obviously, used to be in the CAC. So right. I'm very familiar with them. Sure. Um, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we def we play a lot of centennial schools out of conference, like McDaniel and, and Hopkins. Um, but, you know, and a couple of, couple of the uh the max schools so i am familiar with some of them but it's a whole new world of scouting and you know <laughs> trying to figure out you know who these players are sure. on some of these teams and what they run but you know they have to do the same with us True. so it's it's been it's been really fun though it's i'm really happy that we're in the mac now and um i do miss the relationships i have with the cac and the coaches and and so forth but um, but it is nice to kind of step away from them for a little bit. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we'll meet up with them somewhere down the road. But for now, uh, it's it's been nice just kind of staying north. What's interesting, I had to look it up. You've played Widener once. It was in 2002. Okay. You've actually played Wisconsin Stevens Point once as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so you'll actually double up on Widener this year. Um, or triple up, I guess, because you'll play them twice this year. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and they also made changes in the MAC. So Lycoming, who was a, a Commonwealth program, is now in the Freedom, so you don't have that travel all the way up 15 uh, for you guys. So, yeah, an interesting. A lot of changes in the MAC. I just wanted to make that as an aside. But you're off to a tremendous start. You played Johns Hopkins to get things rolling, and that was a very low-scoring affair, 42-31, a loss, unfortunately. But I'm not used to your program's in low-scoring affairs. You you are a good defensive team, but 42-31 isn't a common game. 60s, maybe 50s is a game. That's an interesting start. Was was there any COVID lull? Was there, or is that just a sign of a really good Hopkins team that kind of dictated everything from start to finish? Yeah, I mean, that was a great game. And I just think first game of the season, yeah. um, I think there were a lot of nerves. We hadn't played in two years. Uh, you know, we had some scrimmages and we did well in our scrimmages, sure. but when, you know, when you're actually playing in front of your home crowd, um, you know, it's Hopkins, we knew they would be tough and, you know, it just, I, we didn't shoot well. I mean, there's no other way to say it. We were a pretty good three point shooting team usually. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know what it was, but Alana Bortner, who's a really good three point shooter. I mean, I think she was. I think she, the first couple of games, she was 0 for 15. Hmm. I mean, she could not, she couldn't hit anything. Uh, we just couldn't get anything going on the offensive end. And 
to be honest, this year, I think we're a really good defensive team. And I think Messiah would tell you that. Um, we held them to five points in the fourth quarter. Um, our defense, uh, you know, we've got some super athletic guards who can, you know, press. We've been mixing it up on the defensive end. We've been playing some matchup zone as well as man. We've been pressing full court, half court, um, you know, really trying to mix it up. So I think our defense has won a ton of games for us this year. Well, and you look at the scores again, you know, you point out the, the Messiah game, that that's a 61-55 game, and Messiah's usually a little bit more high scoring. But if you're holding them to five points in the fourth quarter, that says a lot because their offense is usually clicking a little bit better than that even when they're struggling. Um, but, you know, you've got a win over Elizabethtown that went overtime, and it was still only 74-70. There are teams that, that that's their average in a regular game. Um, so obviously the defense is playing well, and it's coming up big when it needs to. And you've got Widener coming up in another conference game. So you'll get three of those under your belt before you head to St. Petersburg, uh, Florida, for a couple of games, including one against Loris, before you come home and then it's conference the rest of the way. What was the importance of the of the non-conference schedule? It Was it to get that rust off from the two years? Because essentially you had... You have a sophomore class that never played, a freshman class that never played, a junior class that's got one year of experience. Was it just just get the rust off and let's see how we do? We'll get into conference play and worry about it? Or was there another game plan with the out-of-conference? Well, I mean, we scheduled Johns Hopkins as our first game, I think, on purpose. Um, You know, and we we know how tough they are. And and our non-conference schedule was was pretty good. We actually had Montclair State in our tip-off tournament. And... They were upset by Washington College. So we ended up playing Washington College in the championship right. game. So that's a little surprise. So a little bit of luck. Yeah, fair. You know, that helps. Um, but I think with each game, we just, we were, we became more confident. You know, we, we learned how to play together again. Uh, we got rid of the nerves. And, you know, we really started um, believing in our defense. And we knew the offense would come. You know, it was just one of those things where, we see it every day in practice, you know, we just needed to do it in the games. So, um, you know, I was really, really happy to see our team just with each game get better and better. We, and we're kind of a comeback team this year so far, which shows me the fight that this team has. I don't know if you knew, but the Elizabethtown game, we were down by 19 points. I didn't know it was 19. In the third quarter, down by 19 and we clawed our way back. Yeah, I knew you were down in the fourth, but I hadn't seen the 19 in the third. 19, and we came back and won that game. And at that point, I knew knew our team was going to be special. I really, and and I think this team is special. I do. I've coached a lot of teams in the past, and I know what it takes to get to postseason. And it is still very early in the season, but I think this team could go really far. I really do. Well, you got five so, "quote unquote" seniors. One of them's a graduate uh, student, um, and and of course they've been through the ringer. They they know what pre-COVID was like, and now they're knowing what COVID and non-COVID's yeah. like. How, talk to me about that class and and how they've helped this program continue to go where you've wanted it to go. Because again, they're really the only ones with a with a wealth of experience. Yeah, I mean my seniors, um, Kayla Ferris who was a first-team all-conference two years ago in the CAC. Really good player, and she, she's the only one who decided to come back for that fifth year. Um, she's a nursing student, and she ended up, you know, coming back. She she really 
I think, believed in this team and, you know, wanted to see us do something, especially going into the MAC. Um, so with her back and her leadership, you know, she's a really kind of a quiet player. Um, but she reminds me a little bit of Kelly Ward, if you remember that oh, yeah. name for me. Um, you know, she's she's that kind of doesn't like the, the spotlight, doesn't like the attention. But um, she has been such a tremendous leader for us in this class. And there's another player, Alana Bortner, who's in that class, who's been incredible the last couple of games. You know, we're 3-0 and in the MAC right now, and she's had a huge she's a huge reason you know that we are three and oh she's been incredible on the offensive end and defensively she's guarding the, the other team's best player you know she guarded leah springer the other day wow um before we switched to zone um but she she night in night out has to guard the other team's best player and she's she's doing a great job um our underclassmen savannah wilson brady zumbrum you know, they really only had that freshman year, right? You know, to experience, and they they had experience though in the big games. They played against Christopher Newport in the championship game two years ago, so they have that experience. Um, you know, other than that, we're, we're pretty young. You know, we're we're pretty new. My other seniors um, don't get as much playing time, but they've been incredible leaders. Uh, Meg Carlson comes off the bench. She used to be a starter for us. Um, is in our post rotation has been a great leader for us on and off the court. And my other two seniors don't really play a whole lot. Hmm. So it's I'm relying on really five or six players that have, you know, some experience from two years ago. And other than that, we're all new. It's either you're a transfer or you're a freshman coming in and it's, you know, it's been tough. Yeah. So we're we're still trying to find that rotation. Um, you know, I think we've we have found our starting five, but we're still trying to find out, you know, who is going to support us off the bench on a consistent basis. Um, so that's our challenge right now. And and we've got some good players that are fighting for that playing time. You mentioned uh, quickly, just scoring wise, there's three players in double figures. Savannah Wilson at nearly 14 points a game, nearly 12 points for Kayla Ferris. And you mentioned Bortner. Uh, she's at 10.5 points a game. And then, obviously, there's others. Zumbrum, you mentioned, and Arnold, they're both at uh, nearly eight points a game as well. Um, you, you talked about the transfers. And obviously, one of the things that has kind of evolved in college athletics is there's a little bit more of the transfers, whether they're coming from uh, ju junior colleges just to get a couple of years under their belt and then coming into the four-year colleges, or there's just more movement from students who get to a school and say, hey, it's not my, it's not the right fit for me and decide to move on. But obviously COVID triggered another level of that. How much has coaching and really recruiting, how much has that world changed even as it was starting to change ahead of COVID, but really has changed with with COVID and the and the seasons cancellations and the extra year you get and all that. Yeah, it's it's been challenging for sure. Now, since we didn't have a season last year, I focused solely on recruiting. You know, I really tried to get out and see um, underclassmen and you know work on my class coming in for this year and. Um, you know, I was able when when all of the Mac teams were playing and preparing for the next team, I was out, you know, sitting in gyms and, you know, spending time on the phone with recruits. And I, I just put that focus and that time and energy into that. I mean, we had practices, but we weren't 
even we couldn't even go five on five. Yeah. You know, because I, I had six kids in my senior class. And once we found out the season was canceled, I didn't have those players in practice. So, um, you know, my squad got really small really quickly. And then we had Kayla Ferris got knee surgery and I had a freshman out with a broken foot. And we were lucky if we had seven people in practice. So um, we didn't really have a season at all. So I, I focused on recruiting, um, you know, had to do a lot through Zoom. Um, I was able to get to high schools wearing a mask. Uh, I had to, had to get permission sure. you know, from my from my AD, from their AD, from their coach. Um, so, yeah, we had to jump through a lot of hoops. Um, but the transfers that we got, uh, we recruited those kids in high school. They were two local players. Uh, one had gone away to Millersville and transferred to York. Sure. Um, and then she was a nursing major. She actually transferred mid-year. So she was already on our campus, um, Brooklyn Naylor. And she's coming off the bench for us and doing a really good job. She's from Spring Grove. Uh, wow. And then Cassidy Arnold is a kid that we really wanted, and she just felt she wanted to get out of York and went to Juniata and then ended up transferring back to York. Okay. Uh, well, Juniata you know, is a tough spot. It is. Um, you know, she just she just said, I should have come to York in the first place, you know, and uh, we were happy to have her. And she's in our starting lineup, and she has added just this other dimension to our team. You know, she's so athletic. And she really drives hard. She penetrates. Um, she's just tough. Um, she crashes boards like Brittany Hicks used to for us. And she just goes to the glass every time. So she has been, she's been a real gift to, to our team and, uh, and has been a great fit. You know, our team, our team's been a lot of fun this year and we're excited. We're heading to Florida here next Saturday. Yep. Um, like you said, play Barry and Morris, and we're really excited about those games. But just to take the team on a road trip like that, um, it's not something we get to do every year. Well, and significant with COVID, you get a chance to do it. Exactly. And I was really worried. I didn't really know until October if we were going to get permission to do the trip. Um, so we're just so thankful. And um, we're excited. We're going to go down there and, and compete, and it's going to be a great team bonding experience. And we're staying. It's the St. Pete's Classic, so we're flying into Tampa, renting vans, and doing that whole thing. And Messiah will be down there too. Shocking! <laughs> you knew that. They'll be down there too, um, which is great. Um, but anyway, so it's yeah. COVID's been challenging. Um, you know, we're really just trying to to stay healthy and. Um, you know, be smart about things. And uh, I think I think York, you know, overall has done a great job. Um, our spring sports did so well last year in the MAC. And I think some of it, you know, obviously we have a lot of talented spring sports at York, but, um, you know, a lot of it's because of our strict COVID procedures that were in place. And, uh, you know, our president was really insistent on, on doing things the right way. And, you know, there were some teams that had to shut down yep. and, you know, we didn't have to. So that's what I'm I'm really hoping that, you know, with our team that we're able to keep playing and and complete the season. You know, I would hate to see us do so well. And then all of a sudden our season comes to a halt um, because COVID's still out there. Yeah, it's still out there. 
Well, Coach, it is it is a blast to have you back on. Thanks for taking the time and, and the Christmas look. I, I'm a big fan, personally. Just Thanks. saying, uh, you can you can you can just give me that camera shot for the rest of the show. I'll be totally cool. Um, obviously, big game with Widener before you head to St. Pete. Um, but have fun at Eckerd College, and then uh, obviously big grind in the conference uh, tourney on the other side. We'll look forward to catching up with you when you're uh, either at home or maybe closer nearby. At, I might drop by at Stevenson. We'll see what the schedule allows. I love seeing you guys play and, and, and appreciate you taking the time to join me. As you know, Coach always gets the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Final thoughts. All right. How about mask up and get vaccinated? There you <laughs> and go. stay healthy. That works for stay me. I'm, I'm boosted. I, I've got platinum in my back and iron in my, in my blood. I'm like Superman. That's what I tell everybody. They look at me like I'm crazy. But whatever. That's how I believe. Well, take care of yourself, Dave. You too. We'll be we'll be seeing you soon. Definitely. Hopefully. You take care. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the holidays. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Betsy Whitman, head coach of the York Women's Basketball Program. Congratulations to them. Tremendous starts of the season. I'll get take a note here, by the way. Um, sports Information Director Scott Geis uh, is uh, York's longtime sports information director. I hate reminding myself how many years he's been there. Um, he is battling colorectal cancer. I want to take a moment to wish Scott best on the air, as we've done. He is one of my uh, one of those guys you can always count on, and he's a tremendous guy, and we appreciate the time that he's always given us when we've either made the trip up there or book Betsy Whitman or any other coach that might be at York. Scott's one of the good guys, and we wish him nothing but the best. And, of course, his wife, uh, Jill Ols- Jill Geis at Johns Hopkins. Uh, nothing but the best to them. Uh, Scott, keep putting up the good fight, and we look forward to talking to you sometime down the road, buddy. Take another break. When we come back, stay with the women's team. We'll talk trying women's basketball. Andy Rang joins us on the show to talk about his team and their big battle with hope coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. More Hoops Hope after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play. Free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Oh, I'm back. Hi, everybody. Just tweeting. Don't mind me putting out the info for the next guest. If you've got any questions for us, again, always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on uh, Facebook where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, we've had a few people there. We appreciate it. We don't expect that to be our main place because Blue Frame Technology provides us an outstanding platform that allows us to be on your big screen, whether it's on Amazon Fire or maybe it's your Roku app or Apple TV or however you stream. They most likely have an app for that, as they used to say in the advertising biz. Um, you can go to Team One Sports and then find Hoopsville on there when we're scheduled on Sundays and Thursdays. You can also watch the show on demand. So you get to see this lovely face on your big screen. I hope I don't break your big screen. I also appreciate all those who tune into the podcast, whether it's, uh, well, there are so many podcast avenues. I think we've gotten all the big ones. And so if you are a fan of the show and you like listening to us on a podcast, but it's not on your favorite avenue, let us know. We'll see if we can maybe get onto that avenue as well. But for the most part, we're on, I think, all the major portals. Uh, There's like eight of them. We've made our effort to do so. Um and don't forget, email, by the way, hoopsville at d3sports.com. I don't think anybody's emailed us now that I think about it. I should check that. I do not see an email, so there you go. All right, so talking women's basketball, you head out to uh, Indiana, and you look at some of the teams out there who you know, are playing pretty good basketball. One of the ones that's caught our attention for a number of years on the women's side, and of course last year made a big splash, was trying. Uh, by the way, really nice new gym, too. That's not too shabby to play some basketball there for the Thunder. Women's team's out to an 8-1 start with a six-point loss at Eau Claire, who we had on their AD on last show talking about really nice new centers. They're going to have a new one by 2024. But wins over Olivet in their last game out. Calvin prior to that also win over Ohio Northern by 21. Beat Benedictine this year and some others. They also have a game against Hope coming up, and it's at their place, which is key. It's the Flying Dutch have to come down to Angola. Well, that always gets our mind going, and so we always are curious just exactly how things break down from there. Well, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of the women's basketball program, and I believe the the husband of someone who just followed me on Twitter today, uh, Andy Rang, joining me. Uh, sir, uh, thanks for the continued Christmas look. I'm now starting to wish I put up Christmas lights in the studio, though it's, I'm not going to have time. Uh, thanks for the time, and, and how are you? I'm well. I'm I'm very well. It's uh, going to be uh, 50 degrees in Indiana on Tuesday, and I might even pull out the golf court clubs and play a little nine holes, maybe. That, that's just weird to me. Um, <laughs> I love acapella music, and this is a quick sidebar. And um, Straight No Chaser, who was a group at Indiana U, um, is one of my favorites as well. And the core group, I don't know the, mm-hmm. the continued group, but the core group who's 
got a lot of albums. They got a great song about Christmas in Indiana, and it doesn't talk about 50 degrees or playing golf no. on the golf course. No, it, it doesn't usually happen. It happened about four years ago. I My AD had to remind me the other day that we played right before Christmas uh, about four or four four years ago so maybe we're gonna do it again this year we'll uh, see. global warming sir global warming <laughs> gotta love it um growing up in chicago i don't remember it very being warm at christmas time um listen great start to the season uh, i'll admit if you go out to play nine holes or maybe even 18 before a game against hope you're confident are you confident with this team well, yeah we're confident uh the reason i'm going to do that is we're, we're on we're in finals weeks this week. yeah i realize we'll have practice on monday or tuesday so i'll be able to maybe slip out if we, i don't want to but, ruin uh, a good good question by sticking to the truth there sir <laughs> but uh yeah we're uh we're playing we're playing well uh the girls are uh really doing what we have talked about all year long and what we continue to do as a program um we just try to play really good good hard defense and rebound the basketball, and if we can do those two new things against Hope, um, we I think we'll have a chance. They're obviously they're a very talented uh, team. I mean, winning fifty some in a row or whatever it's a ridiculous number <laughs> now, and uh, you know it's um, you know it's going to be it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. I just wish our uh, every time we play Hope, it seems like we're playing them uh, when our students are gone, and mm. so they're not going to be there. Um, so we hope the community comes out and supports us and, and, and all that. And, um, so we'll see what happens. Kind of make a call to the MIAA and talk about scheduling a little <laughs> bit, I think. Um, 54th in a row for anybody who is counting at home, by the way, for hope, uh, along with the, what is it? We're at 44 in a row for Yeshiva on the men's side. I lost track there for a second. Um, Interesting enough, I mean, listen, we were just talking to Betsy Whitman and talking about good defenses. Her, her team's allowing 50 points a game, just a little over. You're allowing 46.8 and scoring 76.4. In other words, you're outscoring your opponents by nearly 30 on top of the fact that you're keeping them under 50 on average. You guys have been a defensive unit. That's what we've gotten used to from your team. Is this is this defense on par for what you expect? I think we're getting better every day, Dave. Uh, I really do. I felt like there's some games early year, and, and uh, Eau Claire was a kind of a wake-up call for us a little bit. Obviously, they're a great, great basketball team, and and for us to go up there and play them was uh, a good challenge for for our team. Uh, we didn't play defense the way we normally play it up there, um, but we kind of got back to basics a little bit after that game, and I feel like we we're doing some really good things here lately, and. Obviously, going into the Hope game, we need to be really sound in what we're doing uh, because when you're playing a team like them, you've got to be really sound in everything you do. You just can't make mistakes because if you make mistakes defensively, um, they're going to they're gonna make you pay. Uh, and so we need to be really sound at it. And I think we're getting, getting better. And our goal is always to keep teams under 50. I think this year we've done a really good job of scoring the basketball. Uh, we don't have – you know, we got uh, – Tara Benovich, who, who shoots it really well, and it was, it was a preseason All-American for us. And, but even if you take her away, we've got some other kids that are really scoring the basketball for us, and we're a really deep team this year. It's probably one of the deepest teams I've had at Trine. Um, so we're, we're really excited about the challenge coming up on Saturday. You talk about those players. You have four of your top five as seniors in terms of scoring. Uh Benedict, as you mentioned, 11 points a game. Taylor at 10 points a game. Stewart at 9.6. 
Underhill, who's the junior at eight, and Wildman at 7.1 as a senior. What I find interesting is you're scoring 76.4 points a game, and you have two players in double figures that are on the low end. That tells me you're distributing quite a bit. There's there's plenty of options. It's not like you just go to two, maybe three players on offense and who do the bulk of the scoring. Is that a fair representation? Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about our team. I don't think our team is real worried about individual accomplishments. They're worried about winning. And I think that's that kind of goes back to the, um, the teams we had in the past that were really good, too. They were the same way. And they've kind of filtered that down to this team. And that's kind of the culture we built. And uh, uh, we're just, we just said, try and we just want to win basketball games. And we don't care who scores. And the girls don't, don't care. Um, yesterday was a prime example when we played Olivet. You know, we had 22 assists and only five turnovers. Um, and everybody got a chance uh, to get in there and, and, and really contribute. And, uh, and that goes back to, again, Dave, just being really deep. I mean, we, we can go 10, 12 deep, and I feel real comfortable with all of them coming off the bench and, and doing what they're supposed to do. And there might be one that Tara gets hot one night or, you know, Rachel Stewart came in at the uh, Eau Claire game and got us 21 points off the bench, you know. And uh, the nice thing about this team is we're, we're, we're really uh, – we're, we're an older team. We got six seniors and we got, you know, five juniors. And so we're, we're, we're very old and, and wise and we've been through the wars and, and – of the MIAA and playing hopes and, and the schedule that we try to play every year. Um, I think though a lot of those girls have been through those uh, heated contests and NCAA tournaments and everything like that. And, you know, when you got to go to hope and play hope in front of 1500, 2000 people, you know, up there and it's, it, it, it uh, gets you ready for any, any, any contest to be quite honest with you. So we're excited about this senior group and, and the junior group and all the girls that we have. You got a team that's out rebounding its opponents by nearly nine. It's about eight and a half, eight, eight, eight and a half rebounds per game. Uh, you mentioned assists and turnovers. You have eighteen point seven assists compared to your opponents nine. You have eleven point seven turnovers, so you have a one point six to one assist to turnover ratio. Oh, by the way, you also steal the ball nine and a half times and block nearly four shots per game. Um, statistically, those things jump out. It, it says a lot. Now, granted, it depends on the opponents. You know, you have a win over Kenyon by 60 earlier in the season, and so some of those numbers may be slightly inflated, just being fair. But you sure. have statistically, at least on paper, through the first nine games, a lot of things that look good. You're getting steals. You're keeping control of the ball. You're out-rebounding the ball. You're shooting well, and you've got lots of scores. Seems like a lot of things that can work when you go up against Hope. The trick is, Hope's won 54 games. They're number one in the country. They know all this. So how do you combat the Flying Dutch when you play them next Saturday? What I realize you're not going to give me your game plan, but what, what do you guys need to do to get that win, and, and what do you think you can accomplish? Yeah, uh the way the style that Hope plays is is really different than, especially defensive wise, anything that that we see all year long. Um, and if you've watched them play, and I'm sure you have in the past, Dave, that they get up in you, they overplay everything, and it's something that really is hard to simulate in practice. Sure. Um, and so when you're going up against them, you've got to make sure that you first of all you got to try to take care of the basketball. Um, you know, there's times I tell our girls when we're going up against them, um, we're better off getting a five second call or throwing the ball three rows in the stands than we are letting, 
you know, it's them pick it off the top and go for a pick six. You know what I mean? Um, and so we can at least set our defense up. Um, but we have got to be able to take care of the basketball on Saturday. And the other thing I think we got to do, and I know those, those rebounding totals, we, we put an emphasis on rebounding, but we've also got to keep them off the boards. Um, offensive glass, I, I'm sure if you look at their stats, their, their offensive rebounding, they're getting 14, 15, 16 offensive rebounds a game. And so we got to, if we get stops, we got to be able to limit their second shots. And so I think those two things for us are the two keys. Take care of the basketball and hopefully control the boards. And if we can do that, I think we got a, we got a good shot on our home floor for sure. For both of your teams, and you talked about the fact that students won't be there, but for both of your teams, the home court is hugely important. We talk about the new center that you guys have, you know, nice lighting and nice seats and, and great shooting lines. And unfortunately, the students won't be there. But how important is it that the first game you get against Hope is actually your place this season? Yeah, it's um, it's all it's it's always important to, to play them at home, away from you know the crowd that they, they bring in there all the time, and um, obviously having the comfort of home and everything like that. And and you know what, I, I don't know how it's going to affect Brian's team, but that's going to be their first road game of the year. They played nine straight home games, so who knows how uh, that would affect them. I mean, you know, they're a veteran team, so I, I don't think that will really bother them too much, but. Uh, I know we, we're happy that we we get them at home first, and I just I know that uh, you know, although the students are there, I know the community's behind us, and and the faculty, and our staff, and our administration, and so I'm sure there'll be a lot of people there cheering us on. But um, it, it's it's a, it's a it's big to get them at home first. That's for sure. You played them three times last year, twice at their place, once at yours, I believe. Yep, and uh, the first two games close. Uh, lost by nine at their place, lost by four at your place, and then lost by 10 in that third game. So I guess all three technically close. Does that also kind of motivate this squad to go over last season against this Hope team that is basically all returning? Well, to be quite honest with you, it's been the last two years. Well, I wasn't We've going that over, deep. Over six for them for the last two years. The year before that, we were, we were fortunate with our really good team with Brandy and Cassie Williams and all them to get them three times. So um, they they've got on a little run, and I think I think it does give our team confidence to know that um, we got the majority of our girls back from those close losses. Um, the only you know you know the only bad thing is uh, when you look at their roster and everything like that, you're thinking, oh, finally I get, I don't have to see Schoonfeld and Bosco again, and they decide they want to take a fifth year, and and so then I get to see them again, but. Uh, uh, that's what COVID does for you. You know, I, you know, I'm hoping maybe a couple of our seniors come back next year, but it's a, it's a great challenge. They're great players. Um, Brian does a great job and, and we're going to be really ready for it and really excited for it. Yeah. A lot of depth on this team. You talk about seniors coming back. Well, if you do on top of more recruiting, it's going to even be a deeper team. How much has COVID affected you guys? How much has it changed your program to some degree? Um, I don't think it's changed us, changed us a lot. You know, last year was, you know, I, I mean, to be quite honest with you, we we were sent home at Thanksgiving, and I did not see my team except for Zoom meetings till January 4th. So we were a month and a half off. Um, you know, that's something that's very unusual. And then when we came back, there's some girls that, you know, had been at home for a month and a half and really were, you know, didn't weren't as motivated as, as, as they could have been um, coming back that, you know, and, and I understand that, you know, I was there, 
you know, going through a season like that, you don't know what's coming. You don't, we all seem to get COVID last year, right around, you know, right before Thanksgiving, we got a break and it was hard for me even to get motivated. So when this year came around, we were really excited to be able to, to ramp it up. And, and, you know, with last year, you know, when we were playing up in, in our conference last year, we all had to wear masks and we were playing in masks and it was just, uh, it was just a crazy time. And I'm just so thankful that, uh, uh, we're to a point and hopefully we stay to this point where we're playing normal basketball games and, and competing at a high level. And, and hopefully, you know, Lord willing, we're, we're there at the end and, and we can hopefully play for another national championship if we get selected to the, to the tournament. How important is it for you and a, and a lot of those in the MIAC, MIAC, sorry, MIAA, who played essentially a full season. So your sophomore class isn't like a lot of the, of the country where that's still a freshman class in terms of experience. They got what, 17 games under their belt last year. They've seen hope three times. Um, and I'm just picking hope in particular. They've gotten to take on really challenging teams and get that experience. How important is that for you? Not just for the game against hope, but I mean the whole rest of the season when you're taking on teams that maybe don't have that same experience. Yeah, I, I think it's it's important in, in the sense that you know we 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 each, we have found out and we try to go play um, the best competition we can. Uh, you know it, and I, I know as a, as a lot of D three coaches, it, we have a hard time scheduling and finding teams to play, and and we we try to go out and play the best. You know that's why we took that uh, might have been you know stupid on my part as a coach, but that first week of the season we played five games in eight days. And we ended up with a seven hour trip to Wisconsin. And, and, but I tell our team all the time, you know, a, a, a trip like that to Wisconsin is going to really simulate what you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, you're going to have to play back to back nights and you're going to have to make long road trips. And I tell everybody, Dave, that the division three tournament is maybe one of the toughest tournaments to, first of all, to get into. Um, and then just to be able to go through the grind of that, if you're not hosting and you got to travel, it's not an easy road. It's not an easy road in that tournament. So we try to um, play in those tournaments that get us ready for that. We're going to go to Nashville over the wintertime and play two games there in Nashville. Um, and so we try to try to do those things and, and it just only prepares us and it prepares us for games like coming up on, on uh, Saturday against Hope. Interesting situation. You got Olivet prior, and you beat him 78-20. I'm curious, your games, the last one you had close was Eau Claire. Ohio Northern was a 19-point win. You had a, what, a 28-point win against Adrian. You had a 30-point win against Calvin. You have the score I had with Olivet. Can that be tricky going into a game like Hope or any other team that's going to be challenging? Eau Claire would be another example of that, where you've had – and I don't want to say easy games, but they haven't been at the same level. How difficult is it? Because I'm asking that on the follow-up that you then take off, as you said, you go to Nashville. Yeah, you'll get Williams. They'll be tough. But then the rest of the way, until you face Hope at the end of January, there aren't a, t- a lot of challenging teams in there. It's kind of like up and then down, and then up for that one game and then down for a bunch. Is it hard to keep them doing everything right, focused, understanding and ready for when they do get that challenging game suddenly? We talk, we talk a lot as a program of how championship teams are supposed to operate. And, 
you know, I use the example of UConn women's basketball a lot with our team in the sense that they're, they've always been in the same boat and you never see them take a night off. You never see them um, lower their standards. And, and that's where, where we want to be. We talk about that a lot. So it doesn't matter who's, you know, we've talked about it before the Olivet game. And it doesn't matter what, what the name on the jersey says. We've got to play to our standards. And our standards are this, and we're going to play tough defense and uh, get after it on the rebound, and we're not going to we're going to not going to let up because. Um, and we talk about it all the time as well that we want to get better every day, and so no matter who we're playing, we're just trying to get better every day. And Saturday defensively, I thought we got better, and so we just going to roll that over into practice after we get done with these finals on Wednesday, and and hopefully that uh, we have three really good days of practice and uh, get ready for hope to come in. I see, obviously, again, headed to Nashville uh, over the Christmas holiday break. When are we going to see you in Vegas? There's a great tourney out there. Um, yeah, we want to come back there. Yeah. I, you know, to be, I tell people all the time, I really believe uh, when we went out there and played Amherst, when Amherst was on their run and really, really good. Sorry about that. Uh, we played it. We played them to a six-point game out yeah. there, and I think that – I think that really kind of put us on the map a little bit, to be quite honest with you. Um, we were still kind of on the rise a little bit, but I think we opened a little bit of eyes at that tournament. And so that was a really good tournament. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's one of the most well-run tournaments that we've ever been at. And uh, so we're excited. That we, we definitely want to come back there again. And I know I can tell you this, our AD wants, to, wants us to go back there as well because he had a really good time too. I'm just pausing for the edit that Brett Seymour just needs to make for Sport Tour and then Pat needs to make for D3 Hoops. That's that's all. I just <laughs> need to give a clean cut there. Uh, bring the men's gotcha. program out, by the way. Let's make this a double dip. Uh, program that would be awesome. have done that. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah, I'll talk to Brooks about that. Maybe we can get things set up. That's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we are... We, we will recruit on this show hardcore. We have no restrictions. There are no needs to, to worry about what our rules are. We, we will do what we need to do. Um, listen, great start again. Really fascinating to see that game on the 18th. It, it does, I will admit, it stinks that you guys have it right before Christmas uh, when there's certainly distractions. But as you said, without the students there, usually that's a, a a schedule we evolve and maybe those both those games get into the second half of the year. We'll hope for that down the road. But in the meantime, good luck. I'm looking forward. I'm going to definitely tune in for a bit of it at least uh, and see how it turns out. But thanks for taking the time, especially during your busy holidays and golf plans. I, I know <laughs> that's taking a little bit of your time. Um, hey, I will, can I say one thing? Dave, well, I was going to say coaches always get the final word. So of course you can. Well, the, the one of the best things, about our facility at, at the MTI Center is that when they build it, we, I don't know if people know, we have a golf course right on our campus. And so they had to tear down the old clubhouse to build our new arena. Oh, interesting. And so, so the clubhouse is attached to our new arena. Oh, that's a so shame. I can, go, I can go right down my office, go down the steps, and get in the clubhouse and get on my cart and go. So uh, it's a perk that I have there. And I'm really blessed to be be coaching at Trine because we have great uh, administration. We have a great president and a great board that really supports us. And I am uh, I am blessed to be called the coach at Trine for these women who, who do a fantastic job, not only on the court, but in the classroom. Well said. Uh, I'm guessing, not that I expect you to be leaving Trine due to your long tenure, but if you do, the, the golf 
situation is going to have to be better than that. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. <laughs> hey, uh, Coach, thanks again. Appreciate the time. Have a good uh, holidays. Good luck against Hope on Saturday. We'll look forward to talking to you, and we'll look forward to having you back in Vegas as well. Take care of yourselves and stay safe as well. Yeah, you too, Dave. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for the time. He is Andy Rang joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Um, big game on Saturday. There's a couple big games coming up this week, but that one's certainly big. Right now, number one versus number seven. We'll see what it ranks out to be uh, after tomorrow. We'll take another break. When we come back, talk RPI men's basketball. Best start since the end of World War II. Yeah, I said that right. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Uh, Plenty more Hoopsville ahead. I hope you stay in tuned and you will come back and join us to talk RPI engineers. Back with more after this. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along here on this Sunday evening, December 12th. Don't forget, we'll be back on the air Thursday coming up on 7 o'clock. And next Sunday will be our final show before the holiday break uh, at 7 o'clock as well. We'll have Bob and Ryan back on the show next Sunday to break down our top 25 the, before the final poll of the of the. 21 part of the season um i'm not really sure when the poll will come out after that um january 3rd lines up 
that we could easily do one. And, and heads up, we might even do a show on January 3rd and not the 2nd. I'm toying with moving Sunday's show to Monday for a host of reasons, but there's someone upstairs I need to talk to first about that. Um, but we'll see. Uh, lots to talk about. We'll get those guys on. We're already booking our guests. We have probably half to two-thirds of them booked for the next two shows, which is crazy because this show got booked all after about 10 o'clock last night. Got a little bit behind schedule on things. Got questions for us before we wrap this show up? We got one more segment. We'll take a break and come back to wrap things up. If you got questions for us, you want us to answer them at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live streaming the show. There's a couple of you viewers, and we appreciate that. You can ask us questions there. Uh, those of you watching us on our Blue Frame portals, use the Twitter or use email, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Those are your two big avenues. We're still looking into whether there's another chat avenue out there somewhere that we can jump into, kind of like YouTube. And we're still debating about whether we'll jump back into YouTube as a live stream simulcast as well. All right, so uh, talking just strong starts to the season. As I indicated before we took the commercial break, uh, one team's having its best start to the season since World War II ended, essentially. Uh, that is the RPI Engineers. They are 8-0 to start the year, and I kid you not, when I went to double-check some things on their website, that's literally what the website said. Best season starts since 1944-45. I had to read that twice to understand if I was reading that correctly. That's a darn great accomplishment um, at 8-0, especially considering they didn't play during the COVID year. But remember, we were talking to them back in 1920, in the 2019-20 season, and they were coming off, ended up 24-5. and So maybe we shouldn't be surprised, but you just don't know with COVID. That's why we get guests on the show. That's why we talk to them about how they're doing with their season and all that other jazz. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline on the Zoom, it is Mark Gilbride, the head coach of the RPI Engineers, who just might be ranked coach by the end of tomorrow. Who knows? I'm not predicting anything. But when you start this well and you get wins over teams like Rochester Tech, RIT, uh, we notice. Congratulations on this start. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, it's been an exciting start for us. Had a lot of guys uh, uh, yeah, play play tough, and and uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, but thanks for having me. Absolutely, I appreciate you coming on, especially last minute. Um, I'm not going to pretend you guys have a world beater schedule. I, uh, let's just be honest. You had a game against Medai, you won easily. Nazareth gave you a game, you beat him by one. Then you had Suni Delhi and Cobbleskill. Hobart, who a lot of people thought would be a good team, you got an 11 point win over. That's a pretty solid start. For And we mentioned RIT. It's always tough to play an RIT team, but Hobart's also not having a great season. I'm not trying to disparage things, I'm just trying to be realistic. The 8 0 is great. It's just, and I suspect COVID had a lot to do with this. I'm sure you would love to get better opponents there before you get into conference play on the other side of the holiday. They're coming, though. I We'll talk about that in a minute. But you got to play beat those that are on your schedule. You've done that. How have you thought your season started? Yeah, it's been nice. You know, you don't know. We certainly have a, a number of – we knew we had a number of really good players coming back from our 2019-20 team. Um, Pat Mahoney, who was an All-American for us in 1920, is back for a year of graduate school. So – uh, you know, that was huge to have him coming back. Uh, Don Black is our, our senior point guard. who was defensive player of the year in our conference as a sophomore. Um, so he was back. We knew that. That was great. Mason Memelar was an all-conference center for us, who's back as a senior. Um, and then Will Rubin and, and John Young Bazo both really had really good freshman years for us. Um, and so we, we thought they could they could be good as well and be good players, and they have been so far. So that's that's been great. So we knew we had some some 
some talented players coming back that had played big roles for us in 2019-20. That being said, uh, it was 18 months off uh, for us without, uh, you know, without a season and without doing anything. We had a lot of new people who were talented, uh, freshman and sophomore classes, but had never had a college practice. Uh, so it was uh, a lot to figure out here um, in, in the first month of practice and in the first eight games. And so I've been really happy that we've been able to you know, really get our conditioning, get used to playing college basketball games again, um, have a lot of the, the new players learn the expectations and what we're doing and how we do things, have a lot of the returning players kind of relearn stuff after so long off. And we've been able to learn all that while getting some wins. Um, and so, you know, that's been great. So it's, uh, to your point, you know, I, I don't know how good we are yet. I'm not sure anyone knows how good anybody else is. I think there's a lot of a lot of season left to be played, and uh, so we'll see. But um, but it's been a lot of fun. To I think we've improved. I think guys are starting to play pretty well. And and while we're learning, we've been able to to get some nice wins. So that, that's been great. Um, you'll take on Oswego coming up here at St. John Fisher tournament. That is, sorry, lost lost my page here with you guys. That's coming up on the 29th, and then obviously it's the St. John Fisher tournament. So conceivably. SJF is is sitting on the other side of that of that bracket. God forbid something happen. Oswego seven and one right now, having a pretty good season. Interesting enough, lost to that same Nazareth team that you beat by one. St. John Fisher's five and two with losses to Ohio Northern Case Western. So things certainly get really more challenging when we get to the other side of Christmas for you guys and more importantly you then get into conference play so the Ithacas of the world and the rest of that conference Skidmore especially are going to become a, a bigger factor so in a, if in some sense you're getting the right challenge at the right time right before you get into Liberty League play yeah I hope yeah I think so and uh and we're looking forward to a great tournament and uh some really good teams and we'll see how we stack up and uh it'll kind of be a great test for us coming you know back after break and uh a few practice to get ready and, and, and play against some really good teams. So it uh, should be good. And uh, I think our guys are, are, are ready for that challenge and excited about it. And and then that, that should, to your point, really prepare us well, I think. So um, win or lose those games, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll learn from it and we'll be ready. And then that gets us into kind of the heart of conference play yeah. after that. Obviously, a lot of conference games in a row. Three, Hobart, uh, three conference games already done, Hobart, RIT, and Bard. Uh, all of them win so far, so you're three and zero in conference play. How do you think the Liberty League is going to shake out this year? You know, it's a lot of teams have done pretty well out of conference. Um, St. Lawrence is off to a great start out of conference. Uh, Skidmore is off to a really good start out of conference. Um, Vassar's off to a great start in conference. Uh, so it's been, you know, I think the league is is doing well competitively uh, against other teams in our region, and so it, it should be. Um, very competitive games, I would imagine, as it usually is. Um, and so, uh, tough conference games that are that are close, and you have to be ready every night and play well and execute well. And if you do, you'll have you know a good chance to win. And and if you don't, then you'll be uh, on the wrong side of things for sure, because everyone's good and everyone's everyone's ready to go. And, and there's something a little extra with how hard people play and how concentrated they play for conference games. So, uh, your team. Uh, your team is uh, – you have a lot of players. Uh, I realize this probably has a lot to do with COVID, so you're, you're probably carrying more than you normally would. 
Uh, I lost count twice just trying to count how many guys you have on the roster, but you're, you're even using numbers in the 50s. There's one 52. You're using almost all your 40 numbers. Uh, you're using almost all your 30s, all your 20s, all your teens, and a handful of single digits. So, in other words, you're almost at max capacity uniform-wise, and I don't know if there's any retired jerseys you can't use. But obviously a lot of it dealing with COVID, but it's not like RPI is a school where guys are like, yeah, I got nothing to do. I can, I can spend a fifth year. How, how has this team kind of evolved around the pandemic, not getting a chance to play, stepping, you know, guys wanting to maybe come back, not come back. How has this all evolved along with recruiting? Yeah. So we have 17 on the roster right now. It's a a couple, you know, 15 is probably the ideal number. So we're a little bigger than we would, than we would like to be, but you know, our guys have done a, a great job of, of handling that and, and having great practices and everyone really ready to participate every day and give their best. So that's been awesome. Um, yeah, it's a it's a challenge. You're sort of you're recruiting both ends a little bit, uh, where you uh, you have uh, guys coming in as as freshmen and first year players that uh, you're excited about and sort of that the sort of the normal recruiting process for us. And then we have some really good. Um, you know, upperclassmen that all have an extra year of eligibility. And so if you have the opportunity to have a player come back and, and get a great graduate degree and, and play one more year, uh, then then that's an awesome thing. So there's a little bit of roster management issue with that. And, and we figure that out and just try to have really, you know, conversations where we try to figure out what's the best thing for everybody. Um, so it's a challenge, but, you know, if one of our best players or wants to come back every year for a year of graduate school, then that's that's a good challenge to have. Well, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have a graduate system, too, that allows that in play. There's a lot of schools that I've talked to that just don't have strong graduate programs. And that's not surprising for a lot of liberal arts or, or smaller colleges. That's just not part and parcel of what they do. But so you certainly have something there that's that's working out to your advantage. Um, and the other thing that's working out to your advantage right now is you're outscoring your opponents by 25 and with three guys in double figures. Uh, Johnny Angbazo. Angbazo? Is I saying that right? I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, Angbazo. Yeah, Angbazo. Angbazo. I don't want to overthink it. 15 points a game. Next one's going to be a little tr- trickier. We'll see if we'll nail this one. Mason Memelar. Yeah, you got it. Nice. Okay, I'll take that for the win and go buy a lottery ticket. 14.8 points a game. And Patrick Mahoney, who we talked about, 13.5. With Ro Rubin, by the way, at 8.5 and 7.5 for Don Black. Um, Really solid numbers from guys there. And what jumps off to me then, what's next that jumps out to me is you don't have anybody in double figures in rebounding. Nobody is in huge numbers in rebounding. you got three guys at about six, six and a half rebounds a game. Because there's a lot of guys rebounding. You, you, that's just not one or two guys on the inside. So you're getting scoring from a good bunch, and you're getting rebound from even more. Yeah, the rebounding in particular has, has you know, the scoring balance is nice, and I think we have a lot of guys uh, that can score. And so depending on on each game and each matchup, um, you know, it might be uh, a different a different player's turn to, to score a lot of points that day, uh, just the way it works out. Um, but the, the rebounding thing has, has been great so far. Um, it's been a big a big strength of ours, and we're hoping that it's a big strength of ours all year. Uh, we have guys that can really rebound from the guard spots. You know, Don Black, our, our point guard, gets a lot of rebounds. Um, and uh, we switch a lot of screens defensively, so we, we talk a lot about mismatch rebounds and boxing someone out, especially if it's a bigger guy, boxing him out, and then a perimeter guy coming down to get the rebound. And our guys do a really nice job of that. So a lot of players are really involved in the defensive rebounds. 
Um, and then we've done, you know, a nice job of offensive rebounding. And even our, our you know, two of our players that come in off the bench do a really nice job of offensive rebounding for us, Avery Eukster and Ryan Kelly. Uh, you know, they both come in and, and crash the boards hard. So uh, it's it, it's been a great a great thing for us and hopefully something that continues. It, it needs to be a strength of ours and can be, I think. We have a lot of good um, versatile players that have pretty good size and are athletic and go after the ball hard. And so um, we're hoping that's something that, that we can do well all year. I was going to say, obviously, control the boards, get extra chances on offense, keep the other team from getting chances defensively. It's, I mean, that's the bread and butter of basketball. And, and it's yeah, going to be important. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves on being a good defensive team. And I think a huge part of that is if you can – limit teams to one shot, it, it puts a lot of pressure on the offense to, to, to be perfect on that first shot. Um, and so, you know, you play pretty good defense, you try to make that first shot as difficult as possible, and if you can just keep them to that one shot, then that, uh, you're making it pretty hard on the offense. Uh, talking to Mark Gilbride here, uh, men's coach here at uh, uh, RPI, who's leading the Liberty League so far at 3-0, and though Vassar is 3-0 and as well at a 6-2 and start in their season, a game ahead of St. Lawrence and Union as we make the turn into the holidays. Uh, interesting note, of course, you took over the program in August 2014 for the uh, retiring Mike Griffin, who had uh, been at the program for 30 years. Um, one of the things that took place during COVID was your alma mater had a turnover after the 1920 season. Kind of a major coaching change there, and really two if you count women's basketball in the middle of that as well. Um, I, I don't remember if I saw your name in the mix, and I'm not trying to ask you if you were or were not interested in the job. More along the lines of, it's interesting you're at, at RPI, which is kind of an engineering, as you said, graduate program, whereas Bowdoin's that liberal arts, smaller college feel. Bowdoin obviously went in a different direction, but is do you ever... Did you have a, an idea of maybe going back and, and taking over at the alma mater, or is this program kind of working well for you? This program's working really well for me. So, uh, Bowdoin's not only my alma mater, but it's my father that retired. Right. Uh, I was slowly walking into that. Yeah. Uh, so, certainly, it, it's a school that I that I care about a lot, and a program that I care about a lot, and I've rooted for forever, and uh, you know, I think Alex Lloyd is there is doing a great job, and so I, I will continue to, to root for them. Um, but no, for me, uh, RPI is just—it's a great spot. I mean, it, we we have really awesome student athletes. I think we can keep getting really good student athletes year after year, and and have a chance to be, uh, you know, one of the best teams in our league, and and hopefully one of the best teams in the country. That's the goal. Um, See, I expected. So, I was expecting you to say, "Yeah, I did, RPI was kind of the right school for me." I really didn't ha- have a thought on it, whatever. Cause, and then my follow up was going to be, "Well, was your dad who retired? So how much pressure was there for you to <laughs> to, to apply <laughs> or try and take over the job from his perspective, not the schools, but from his perspective? I mean, was that even a conversation? And and again, I don't want to put you in a tough spot or anything. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious because when that job opened, I think a lot of eyes didn't necessarily only look at you i think a lot of eyes went wow that's a job and a program that's kind of right on the cusp your dad had done such a good job just keeping them competitive in the nescat for so long that whoever goes in there has a really good chance of kind of leapfrogging to the top of what is already a tough nescat so i'm i'm curious was it tempting especially with your dad retiring you know, one of the great things uh, about my dad the whole way, whether it was when I was playing or since I've been coaching, um, 
he, he never really put a lot of pressure on me uh, in any way. So whether he felt that secretly or wanted me to, to do that, I, I don't know. He didn't say that. Uh, but um, but no, he didn't put any sort of pressure on me that way. He, he had an awesome career. He loved it. He loved it at Bowdoin. He loved the kids that he worked with and, um, and, and the team and everything. And I certainly loved playing for him. And I started my coaching career working for him as, as an assistant coach as well. So uh, I've learned a lot from my dad and I've, taken a lot from them that, that we use at RPI um, in, all, in all ways, whether that's on the court or it's the way that you interact with people or the way that you, you talk to players, administrators, everything. Um, and so, uh, but no, there, no, he didn't put any pressure on me to, to do that, uh, thankfully. So uh, it, was a, it was still a, a nice Thanksgiving. And, I was going to uh, say Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah. No, uh, I'm just waiting no for him to show up on your assistant that. staff. Um <laughs> Curious, which winter would probably be tougher, Bowdoin or Troy, New York? Oh, the cold winters. Um, I think I think it's a little colder in Brunswick than it is in Troy. Okay. Uh, so, um, you're enough away in Troy from the lake effect, right? And you're enough west that you don't necessarily get hammered by the nor'easters every time. Exactly. We're, we're kind of yeah. right in between. So it's cold. It's just normal cold winter, but it's, uh, it's not <laughs> normal cold. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they're up at Platts. That's one of the things play. I love about basketball. We're, we're in the gym, you know, there you go. I feel like, I, you know, you hear from other people that, especially as the days get darker earlier, you know, there can be some, uh, you know, some depression or something, you know, sure. and, and it's, it's nice with basketball that right around the time it gets dark, we're going in the gym for practice and we're in there and everybody's sweating and working hard. And, uh, you know, it's, you have a great two hours and then you shower and it's eight or nine o'clock by the time you get out of there. And it's, it's supposed to be dark and you don't really think about it, but uh, that's always been a really nice thing about the season. I think. Uh, Mike Blaine come down from Plattsburgh trying to find civilization ever. <laughs> I, uh, I, I ran into him a lot on the recruiting trail this summer. Yeah, I'm so. sure you did. Yeah, I'm sure you did. That's really a test to see if he's paying attention. Um, listen, a great start to the season again, uh, and 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 congratulations. It's, I mean, it says a lot that you're starting eight and zero, no matter who you played, and you're meeting a mark from 1944-45. Uh, for a program that's also been around that long. Um, so congratulations, and obviously a, a big hill to climb. Obviously, the guys are getting some time off. How do you get? My last kind of basketball question is: How are you going to get them ramped back up? For the 29th, after what is essentially going to end up being 18 days off between games. Yeah, no, it, it, you're you're right. That that's a big challenge always. I think. Um, so you know, our guys are. Uh, we have reading period for a couple of days, and they have exams. Uh, you know, we'll have one or two practices, and then they go home, and they're off for seven days. And so it's a long time of uh, not doing much. Um, and uh, so, you know, a lot of it, I think the success of your team depends on how motivated each player is individually to make sure that they're staying in shape and getting shots up. And, uh, you know, that, that a little bit of rest can be good, but um, making sure that you're ready to go so that we quickly as we get back into practice, um, that, that uh, we're getting right back up to game speed and, and we're ready to go. So um, I, I do trust our players. I think that they, they're, they're motivated and they want to have a great season. Um, so if they are listening, I hope that they're, uh, they're ready to do that as we, uh, as we enter the break because I, I think we all know how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, again, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Congratulations. Um, looking forward to seeing how these 
you know, games progress and, and looking forward to see how St. John Fisher works out too. Uh, as always, we get the coach, the final word, yeah. any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Oh, appreciate it. Um, yeah, just want, we have a, a new assistant coach that's joined us, uh, James Holmes. He's done a great job. So just want to give him a little shout out. He's, uh, he, he jumped right into things and it's really, uh, uh, really doing a tremendous job for us. So oh, very nice. Part of uh, our success. I like I like the shout out for the coaches. That's 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 a nice way to use the time. Uh, keeps them happy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark. Thanks again for the time. Really appreciate it. Good luck. Uh, enjoy the holidays as well, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Mark Gilbride joining us on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. We'll take a real quick break when we come back. Um, We'll wrap the show up. Won't go too far into overtime, but we'll get a little bit of time in there. Talk about uh, some things, uh, get you ready for the week ahead, and get you ready for next Thursday's show. You're listening to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBC and ABC studios. Back with more after this. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. What makes D3 special is the ability to participate in my team and within the broader community. The perfect ending to a perfect season. Being a D3 student athlete has completely expanded my life. I learned how to lead. I really found a voice. What time is it? It's more about the experience rather than just a sport itself. Without the experience of being a Division III student athlete, I wouldn't be the person who I am today. NCAA Division III. Discover. Develop. Dedicate. allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville on this Sunday evening, December 12th. Uh, last call for questions at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on the Twitter account. You can also um, email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Um, we're on the Instagram at D3Hoopsville, but we don't check it during the show. So 
Sorry if you asked us a question there. Um, did I forget any other? Oh, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. Had a few people there. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, new Top 25 will be out tomorrow in men's and women's basketball. We'll see one. Um, I think they were early evening last week. Uh, they usually get out, uh, depending on voting, about 5, 6 o'clock Eastern time is usually when we see them. Uh, there were some games today because we are kind of in that time of year where uh, games get played on a Sunday more than not. Um, we mentioned Marietta defeated Baldwin Wallace, uh, Christopher Newport defeated Lynchburg, and Whitworth got past Colorado College today, 80-61. to 61. Um, No other games on the men's side really jumped out at me, um, other than expected wins or expected results. Birmingham Southern's having a pretty good season, I think, if memory serves. They beat LaGrange today, 98-71. No, no, I take that back about Birmingham Southern. They're 3-6. Um, LaGrange in the meantime is four and five, so I completely misread that. Um, LaGrange has had a couple of games against non-D3s um, and had a bit of a rough season, so that's a good win for them against LaGrange. Caltech beat George Fox today in men's basketball. Hats off to them. And Claremont Mudscripts and the Banana Slugs of Santa Cruz played. Uh, CMS won. Stevens was supposed to be playing at Middlebury. Reminder, Middlebury, we announced this on the end of Thursday's show, is sitting on a um, basically a COVID hold. They went to remote learning, sent everybody home, and we don't know when athletics will be back up and running. Speaking of which, see if we can maybe look that up real quick while we got you. I don't think there's any change to the status quo that we saw on their website on Thursday's show, which basically said they're done. Um, all athletics... Postponed, yeah, no change to that. So we'll keep an eye on Middlebury. From what we heard, they had an increase in in testing or positive tests, significant increase. Um, they apparently had a change in in how they approached COVID this year compared to the year before, and it resulted in uh, maybe it backfired on them. I don't know. I, I really don't know. But Middlebury is uh, parked, and that cost them a men's game against Stevens today at home on top of that in women's basketball Whitman defeated Colorado College 80 to 70 those games both at Whitman so Colorado College making that trip Christopher Newport easily handled Marymount 93-39 Baldwin Wallace defeated Marietta 66-41 all the ranked teams were at home and NYU defeated Brooklyn to stay undefeated 97-53 other than that no surprises I don't think looking at scores from around the rest of the country in women's basketball um, oh, an interesting landmark conference game here on this Sunday. Uh, Mike Gophers lost to Drew, 81-38. That stings a little bit. Whitworth got a win over Walla Walla, by the way. That sounds like yesterday's score, but it's in here on today, so maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, Mary Washington was supposed to play a game at Shenandoah. That game was postponed, so interesting. On the women's side of things. Again, top 25s will come out tomorrow. We'll be back on the air Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. I already got guests book. Uh, let me double check to see if I can check my email real quick. Uh, Stockton women's or Stockton men's basketball, I know we got a question. Oh, sh- I just saw Marquis uh, Charlton, assistant coach at St. Lawrence, gave Coach Gilbride a shout-out. Great coach, great mentor to me. Can't wait to see him uh, down the road at CLE, SLU. I'm sorry, Marquis. I didn't see that till just now. You got it in before the show or before our segment ended. I just didn't see it. Email was backed up a little bit, I guess, there. Uh, but nice shout out there for Mark um, Gilbride. Um, 
what was it? Um, so, guests I got booked already for Thursday. Um, we're going to be talking to WashU men and Stockton men's basketball on Thursday. We'll have Pat Yuckum on the show and Scott Bittner on the show. Talk about their two programs on Thursday. So we got that set up. We'll book some women's guests, maybe throw in a curveball. We'll see. Uh, already working on Sunday as well, which will include Ryan Scott and uh, Bob Quillman, we believe, uh, as well. So there you go. Um, lots to talk about. Uh, looks like that email that got sent to me got sent to me a second or third or fourth or fifth time. The note that this individual wants us to know is Cole will achieve 500 wins last season and Richter will achieve 600 in January. Uh, that's at DeSales. Yep. I'm not sure if we'll get Koval back on the show, Scott Koval of DeSales. It's just not how our show operates, but we'll keep an eye on it. Whether any other men's and women's coaches combined for more than 1,100 wins at an, at an institution, I'd have to double-check, but I think that's happened a couple of times in Division Three, especially, but I could be wrong. Um, by the way, you're, again, Hope Women Basketball on a 54-game winning streak. Yeshiva Men's Basketball on a 45-game winning streak. Those are the things we'll certainly be watching as the season progresses. Uh, there are a lot of people who are hoping for the number one v. number two game coming up uh, end of December when Illinois Wesleyan was traveling, is traveling to uh, Yeshiva to play a game. Yeshiva being the number one ranked team in the country now. Illinois Wesleyan, number three. They had been number two. Now they're a point behind Randolph Macon in the last poll. You know, were they would they make themselves back to two? Now with a loss to Wheaton, they may not end up at two for that game, but it'll still probably be a top five battle. Um, again, Yeshiva number one, Randolph Macon number two, Illinois Wesleyan three, Plantville four, St. Joseph's five. I suspect Illinois Wesleyan might fall behind Plantville and St. Joe's. Question is, do they fall behind Oshkosh, who was sitting at six? I don't think they fall further than that. There's an outside chance Wheaton jumps them and they fall to seven. I, I think that's as far. They, I don't see the Titans falling further than seven. There's just there's then a kind of a bumper there with Elmer's taking a couple of losses now. Um, that is probably going to kind of take that. Uh, and allow them to kind of keep from falling too far. Also, Mary Harden Baylor, I don't see them getting um, behind Marietta or Roanoke or Johns Hopkins or lacrosse. So, uh, Illinois Wesleyan, worst case scenario tomorrow evening, we're looking at them seventh. I, I think maybe around fifth, just off the top of my head. On the women's side, um, nothing shocking there. We, we told you about, I think the, the poll will be a little bit less movement as it normally is, but there are some results that will cost some movement, certainly. Uh, just double checking to see if there's any questions before we wrap things up here. Since I missed that one email from Marquis, I apologize, sir, once again for that. Um, let's see here. No, I don't. I do see my top 25 information, so I'll be ready to start hitting print on that here in a moment to start getting ready to, to uh, vote on that for tomorrow. All right, so we'll sign off. I want to thank my guests on the show. Of course, they include um, from uh, Heidelberg, Andy uh, uh, Boo, Boo it. I lost it, but uh, Boo High. I want to thank Andy Boo High for coming on the show. Their team's off having a tremendous start. Betsy Whitman from York having a great start to their season as well from Trine, Andy Rang, and from RPI, Mark Gilbride. I want to thank all, everybody for coming on the show. It was great to chat with everybody. Fun to have them on the show as well. They also came on rather last minute. I want to thank their sports information departments as well for their assistance. We'll sign off with that note.
Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com. Of course, they've got the Patreon um, system still going to help keep uh, our efforts going at D3Hoops.com, D3Football.com, D3Baseball.com, and, of course, D3Sports.com. If you want to become a, a subscriber or, or a Patreon member or whatever it is, please consider that. There's information, I believe, on our websites. Don't forget, also, um, I want to th- thank our Friends at the National Association of Basketball Coaches hooked up with them. And once again, a uh, very generous donation that is going to already is paid for the audio board that we've got in place. That's going to help with upgrades to this show as well. Uh, also, thanks to the WBCA, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, for their continued support, especially on the Division Three level. And, uh, and, of course, big shout-out to Blue Frame Technology. Really helpful people. They're trying to get a, a little bit of a glitch solved in our system that will allow us to... Um, to um, take this show to another level. So I want to thank all of those there who are helping us out, Alex and Mark and, and the rest of that crew. Uh, looking forward to working with them also at the D3Hoops.com Classic coming up in Las Vegas. Uh, I think on Sunday we'll, we'll pick out a couple of teams to talk to. Don't like usually talking to those teams ahead of time. Maybe if we don't talk teams, maybe we'll talk to Pat about that event coming up. Um, it is Stagwell weekend, so no, we won't be talking to Pat. Um, but... We have some games coming up. Uh, usually we don't talk to them because we talk to the teams out there. So we'll figure out a way to give you a preview of the D3Hoops.com Classic coming up in Las Vegas uh, between Christmas and New Year's. I'll be out there with Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann. We'll also get uh, some old f- face uh, in the mix. Tim Murray is going to be out there joining me. Uh, we used to broadcast games together. He's going to join us for a couple of games as well. That. And with that, we sign off. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios with our partners from the WBCA and Blue Frame Technology. If you would like to be a sponsor or advertiser on this show, please get in touch with us. We'll send you information that we have, and you can let us know if you'd like to jump on board and advertise or whatever it is with us. Um, a little, every little bit counts, and so a little bit for us is a big deal. Um, and so we hope you'll consider it. In the meantime, we'll see you Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, as we talk to Wash U men's basketball, Stockton men's basketball, and more guests to come as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great night.